It's time to connect with Lacey Nelson. I'm producer Brandon from the Rob Anybody and Don Show. Thank you for joining us. If you're watching us live on Rad TV, good morning, good almost afternoon. Uh, if you want to interact with us, you're, feel free to. You can email us at rad at radradio.com. And uh, before we get started, I believe we have a few special announcements to make. Take it away, Lisa. Good morning, everybody. So glad to be back with you guys today. Our visitors, guests today, you're not going to want to miss this story. If you've ever suffered from addiction or know somebody who has, or you're just simply struggling with anything in your life, even if it doesn't have anything to do with any substance abuse, addictions, alcoholism, even if just literally daily struggles, trust me, you're going to want to hear this today because there is a light at the end of that tunnel and you're going to learn that there are two people that are living proof of that light at the end of that tunnel today. So before we get into our conversation with them, I'm going to do a, a couple of announcements. I'm very, very excited to share some news with you guys. First of all, our first podcast guest, Angela Russell Webb, if you guys remember that episode about fentanyl in our youth today, and we talked to Laura Didier, who lost her son, Zach, to um, an illicit fentanyl pill. Well, Angela, the other day, was flown down to Los Angeles and taped on the Dr. Phil show. Nice. So she was a subject matter expert um, on behalf of her organization, Arrive Alive California, to talk about fentanyl in our youth. It sounds like they did enough to maybe do two episodes on the Dr. Phil show. I'm not sure when it'll air, maybe two or three weeks from now, but we will absolutely be posting that. I have to brag about Angela. The other cool part to that is Angela sent a link to Dr. Phil's producer from our podcast, and they were reviewing it. Mm. Oh, We're famous. We're going to be Almost famous. famous. Almost. Uh, so I don't know if they reviewed it or if they did and whatever the case may be, but... Thank you, Angela, for hyping up our podcast together and um, supporting our journey as much as we support yours. I love you to death, and I'm so proud of you. So um, next announcement, which very exciting for us here at Connect, is that we got our first business sponsorship. So the month of October for our two podcasts, and I'm going to sneak them in our next podcast, which is technically the end of September. I'm going to talk about a business that is in Northern California. They're amazing people, owners who started from ground up and built this amazing company. I can't wait to share that with you. They are our first paid sponsors. So they're going to be paying us for the month of October to talk about their business. And that's exciting for us, Brandon. It is. We're going to start getting paid to do something that we're, we love. Hello, Walter. Walter's oh, yeah. putting his head on my leg right now. He's so cute. <laughs> so uh, first paid sponsorship. So what that tells me is that other businesses can jump on board. If you like our show, if you like what we're talking about and where we're going with our direction here, and you want us to talk about your business, put your logo at the front of our podcast, contact us, let me know, and we will make sure that happens for one podcast if you want to pay for that. Or 10 if you want to pay for that. So whatever you want to do, um, we have a good affordable program for paid sponsorship. So I'm excited to share that, too. I mean, we've only been going a couple of months, and we've already got our first one. Yeah, this is great. So, <laughs> that, Walter's, that's Walter. Walter's yeah. very excited for that, too. <laughs> uh, the only last thing that I want to share, um, something near and dear to me, tomorrow, in two, so September 17th, back in 2018, we lost um, an officer with the Rancho Cordova Police Department. He was, um, if you don't know, Rancho Cordova Police Department is contracted through Sac County Sheriff's Office, and um, it's the same, we're the same people. We just work, you know, maybe we go to Rancho or we don't. So uh, Mark Stasiuk, I would like to give a shout-out to Mark and his family. 
I respond to that call for service where Mark went down in the line of duty and paid the ultimate sacrifice. And his partner was also injured, Julie, and she's a fighter and she saved many lives that day with her heroism. And that was a hard day. It's been a hard few years um, putting this behind us all um, and Mark's family, of course. So my heart and my love is with you guys today and always and tomorrow, um, whatever you're, you guys are doing tomorrow. So for Mark, we, we miss you. We love you, brother. And, and thank you for what you did for us that day. So without further ado, let's get into our show. If you guys have not tuned in before, connect. Connect with, uh, I say with me, but it's really with Brandon and Kyle too. Kyle's like the... The silent hero back Hi, there. Do, what did we? What is your title? Sir, associate, associate producer. Yeah, yeah. I love I it. That's so. a great title. I can't oh, hear you because my fancy headphones aren't on. There you go. Associate <laughs> producer. So we have, uh, of course, Brandon, who is our creative, artistic talent of all these, the music that you guys hear, and all the the lights and colors and all this stuff. This is Brandon and Kyle sits back here and just does so much work. I don't even know what you do back there, but just amazing things. I hit buttons. Buttons. Yeah. He hits buttons. Press buttons. I okay. make sure you guys are in the frame when you're talking, so. Okay. Yeah. And that's your regular job on Rad Radio? No, no. My regular job is uh, controlling audio, being an on-air uh, talent, and then I also do uh, the logs for the commercial and a few other things that whatever comes up, Brand- Brandon notifies me, lets me know what to do. Yep. You guys are awesome. Like you said, it's a well-oiled machine around here. So thank you to Kyle and Brandon for that. So connect with us is essentially about bringing people together and um, showing us that if we do the seven things within the word connect, and you guys can see on our website, if we do all those things, we are going to actually be able to bring people together. So all this talk on social media about how do we make the world a better place and we're so tired of the negativity well if we connect with each other and we talk to each other and we learn about one another and what each other needs and we stop judging each other then that's what we have to do and we're going to make the world a better place before we get out of here so um, i'm going to introduce our guest today i'm so excited that you guys are here sheree and bob um, our stories on how we met one another and you guys just met today yeah but immediately click it's like you guys are kindred spirits you understand one another it's there's something there when you guys have a history like you guys have that um other people don't get you know it's so i'm going to talk to sheree first because i think our the way we connected was rather unique (laughs) and interesting um and i'm not going to take your thunder so you know tell the world our listeners um how we met let's just throw it out there uh, we met in 2016 when I was an inmate at Rio Consumnus Correctional Center. So I yeah. was, uh, yeah. How it, many times had you been in and out? <laughs> Did, can you count? Oh, I know. I've been there. I, I well, at our triple C, I'd been there twice, but I'd been to jail 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, and the last time in 2017. Okay, so over and over and over again, all related to substance mm-hmm. abuse. That's it. Okay, so anything that you were doing that was illegal was because you had a drug problem? Yeah. Okay, and so it wasn't because you were just out there trying to have fancy things and... and I was trying to survive. Trying to survive. Yeah. Stay high. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, So Cherie was one of my inmates, and um, unique story there, because I didn't realize until a few years later that... um, she even remembered me and I didn't remember her over the thousands of people that come in and out of jail that people work with, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't remember her until three years later, um, when she reached out and, um, 
and again, I'm, I'm just speaking on personal experiences here and connections with, um, with Cherie. This has nothing to do with my employment. This podcast is mine and mine alone, but it's just unique how we met. So, um, you know, without mentioning my employer, you reached out mm-hmm. and um, wanted to, what, just send a thank you? Yeah, there was a <clears throat> um, an event that you were at or, with the kids, and I'd seen you, I hadn't seen you anywhere, like nowhere, because you don't ever want to run into yeah. anybody after. You do not, yeah, exactly. No, it usually doesn't end very well. Right. So um, there was an event that you were doing with the kids, and it was... It was on social media, and I had left a comment and got a comment back that said, that's amazing, you know, would you like to write us an email about her and your experience with her, so on and so forth. So I did, and I think the comment that I left was, she helped me in so many ways and doesn't even know it, something along those lines. So I wrote the email, sent it off, didn't think anything of it. Um, It had been maybe, I want to say, two months had gone by maybe. And I get an email back that asked me to do a surprise meeting with you. Um, basically go on, do like now, tell my story, you know, how I ended up where I was at and then how you impacted me. And so I did that. And part of the email, well, what I wrote in the email was that, you know, she helped me and she doesn't even know it. And it was basically, you told me one day, you don't have to be here. This is your choice. You don't have to be here. So that was like the really big thing. So we did like this whole like interview thing and they hid me in the back. And it was pretty amazing. She came out and watched this video. and was like, oh, my God. I remember. And then her. here I came. And she's like, yeah. oh, my God. It was so cool. So she, um, KNCI, I got to give a little shout out to Pat, Tom and Cody over there, my buddies at KNCI. Um, they kind of facilitated this. And just um, I came into the studio under a different what I thought was a different reason I was there. And uh, they sat me down and had me watch a video and it was you doing an interview with him. And I, I remembered you, even though it was three years, I got, I got to remember that face. And you looked so much healthier, you know, and, and different, you know, you, you didn't look like I remembered you. Sick. So, sick. Yeah. And, and high and addicted. And so like, Oh my gosh, I remember her. <laughs> I remember her face. So, um, you know, thank you. That was huge. Your dad was there, your yeah, stepmom. My dad, stepmom. Your dad cried a little bit, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this all, this is all just being shared to to say that um, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter to me where I was in my life or where you were. In that moment, we were two human beings. And all I needed to do was treat you with respect. Mm-hmm. That's my job. And quite frankly, that's who I am. I'm not going to treat you with disrespect just because you're on the other side of things. Um, I'm just going to give what I get. And so I had no idea I even said that to you. I don't remember when I said that to you, but I'm so grateful it worked. Oh, I remember. It was in passing in one of the hallways, and I was complaining about something. I was like, oh, my God, I hate it here. And you're like, well, you don't have to be here. You don't have to be here. You choose to be here. What you did put you here. And you just kept on walking. I was like, (laughs) You're like, I hate her. I was like, I hate it here. (laughs) But that worked. So, I mean. And it worked. You know, so I'm so proud of you. So how many, how much clean time do you have? Um, I will have in January, they say no fronts, um, six years in January. So it'll spend about five and a half years. Clean and sober. Mm-hmm. Is that the longest in your adult life? Yeah. 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 I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Thank yeah. You. Isn't that awesome. amazing? Mm-hmm. That is just incredible to me. And you chose that. Yeah. Nobody did this for mm-hmm. you. 
Nobody I mean, I could have stayed it. there and like did out my sentence, which, you know, whatever. I could have done that, and I decided. Now, mind you, none of my charges that that I ended up there for were drug charges. They were just things that I was doing in order to get the in drugs. order to keep getting high. So I'd keep getting arrested for these things, but none of them were drug offenses. Got it. Um, I was there, and I had. Uh, three months left on my sentence to go because it gave me a year with half. Mm-hmm. So when she says a year with half, it's like you get a year, but you only have to do six, six months. Six months of it if you do it half the time in jail. Yeah, in jail. Well, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I went to court and I asked to get um, my sentence modified, um, not adjusted, modified so that I could do my time in a drug program. Mm. I actually went to a recovery home but I did not listen when I was in court. They said I had to do day for day. So I already did three months in jail. So mm-hmm. I had to do nine at the program because that makes the year. Because oh. I was doing it day for day. That's what Got it. You don't get half time there. Right. You don't get half time when you go to a program. So I did it. You did all nine months? I did 19. 19. Oh, no. <laughs> I stayed oh, wow. 19 months. And that helped? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that by choice that you stayed longer? Yeah. It was by choice that I stayed longer. Um, I was supposed to be done January of 2018 and i stayed until october of 2018 and clean the whole time mm-hmm. incredible yep. i'm just proud of you yep. we're going to get into sharice background a little bit of course because for people who are using or have kids that maybe are using substances or whatever the case may be whatever they're using there's reasons why you pick it up and use it, it mm-hmm. it's not just i mean i'm sure some kids it's hey peer pressure try this and then all of a sudden you're hooked right but there are reasons why people pick up something to use it's to mask a deeper problem mm-hmm. you know that's that's any of us that are hooked or addicted on to anything you know there's all kinds of addictions out there so um but i i gotta introduce you to my buddy bob this guy as, as soon as we look at each other we just laugh and smile because <laughs> our history together um we met i think i was 23 or 4 and i'm 38 now so it's been a while. It's been um, Thir- 14, 13 years. 13, 13 14 okay. Years. <clears throat> so it feels like longer. It feels like I've known you forever. So I lived in this little apartment downtown. Um, and the apartment was like an old school apartment where the, the doors were in front of each other. It was like a little alcove in the middle. And then it was pretty cool. It was like an old building. Um, little upstairs and a little downstairs. So I lived in this one little apartment. And I, I look out and I see my new across-the-way neighbors, Bob and his buddy. And they were both wearing like wife beater tank tops and are we getting walter yeah i'm gonna I'm put him in the other room it's okay walter he wanted to talk too so bob and his buddy had these little wife beater tank tops on and all these let's just say it prison Pr- tats. tats they're just know? prison tatted up these two guys <laughs> <laughs> and i'm in this apartment going now i gotta move I cannot live across from these two dudes that look like parolees, right? And they're all loud, carrying their stuff, you know, just... And I'm like, okay, let me give them a chance, you know? Let me give them a chance. And um, it turns out Bob became one of my best buddies. Um, I just watched Kings games, all you and your Kings games all the time. And um, it just took us figuring each other out a little bit. And I don't think Bob ever thought that he'd be hanging out with a cop. Hey, I didn't know, either. As a buddy, you know, as a friend. <laughs> right. So um, when I when we met, you were like three or four years clean. 18 months. 18, <clears throat> that's it. Okay. And how long now? Um, Almost 16 years. 16 years. <clears throat> Congratulations. Yeah. Clean and sober. Yeah. Um, and for you, is it still like, I remember when we were, when we were hanging out a lot, it was, 
twice a week meetings or more or more yeah or more than tw twice a week now sometimes less sometimes more it depends you know I, i've got two teenage daughters and volleyball and different things that i do so <clears throat> sometimes less you know but mm -hmm. when i can for sure and does something tell you i gotta go to a meeting i mean i just it's just a part of my life you know what i mean it's it's a part of my life i give a lot of credit to to the program for for my sobriety for to you know, na to aa and na, NA yeah. yeah i kind of do aa it's a i know the drugs are my problem but when i was going to all the meetings when i had to go to a meeting every day when i had to get my little card signed you know aa are the ones that pulled me in you know they're the ones who said hey we're going to get tacos afterwards you know they're the ones who gave me service positions and it just happened that way i've heard people tell the story with na the same way but at the time, that's that's the people I fell in with, and that's the, kind of the program I do. I would imagine that a lot of the people in the AA meetings also have narcotic oh, all, issues, too. a lot. Because yeah. addiction is addiction. Right. Mm -hmm. right. 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 And and I hear people who are recovering addicts say, I'm still an addict. Is that true? You guys are always, do you always consider yourself addicts? Absolutely. You yeah, do? I, I do. I, I, do because I know that if I were to pick up my drug of choice again, mm -hmm. everything's done. Got it. It's done. Everything that I've worked for, all the you know, everything I've put into my life now, you know, relationships and friends, it's gone. As soon as I pick it up, it's gone. That's it. One time. Yep. And that that I actually had that as a as a question. Is it true the when you pick something up like that? I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm talking about methamphetamine, heroin. I don't know if cocaine and all those drugs fall into it too, but when you when you pick it up and try it the first time, that's it. You're hooked. I mean, for me, when the very first time I ever used meth, I wasn't like, oh my god, now I'm addicted to it. No, it was like a repetitive. Like I kept doing it and kept doing it, and it was just kind of because it was there, and then kind of because it was just something to do. But it literally took two weeks, and I was done. That's like, it. it was, you were it hooked. Was, it was bad. How old were you first time? First time I ever did it. Oh my God, my dad's listening to this or he's going to be. Okay, then you don't have to say <laughs> He's going to be so upset. No, I was a teenager the first time I tried it. Okay. Um, But when this go around, like I tried it in my teens, like, and it wasn't for me. Like I did not like it. The whole, uh, the, the effects of it. I was like, no, I can't do this. Really? So you uh, yeah, did try I it? I tried it when I was a teenager. You didn't like it. Had, you know, some friends, you know, whatever. I didn't like it. It wasn't a thing for me. I wasn't, no. Um, This go around. As I was, when I became an addict, uh, was in 2012. Wow. 2012 is when I did it again. And six months later, I was in jail for the first time ever. Insane. Wow. Just mm -hmm. like that. First felony. That's insane. <clears throat> and it, you said it wasn't drug related, though. It wasn't. It was I did something while I was under the influence right. of drugs, and I did it. Because it was going to help me continue to get high. Got it. And yeah, here they came. And there I went. And boom, six months later. Actually, I don't even think it's six months. I think it was uh, five months later. Because the first time I used, when my addiction flourished, um, was January of 2012. And I was in jail in June of 2012. Insane. Just like First that. time ever never been in jail never been written nothing and mm. you wouldn't know it but i worked in prisons myself like years before this and now here i am like in jail an inmate <laughs> that talk about a full circle not a good full circle right and bob how old were you first time it was in the 80s and i was in love at first the euphoria that it caused and the the sense of well-being you know the, the 
confident the false confidence it gives you like i was i would say i was pretty much hooked from the start you know when i started doing it that was it <clears throat> and um i used for i used for a long time i used from sometime in the late 80s till 2006 oh. and um I've been to prison 10 times, state prison 10 times. I can't even tell you how many times I've been to jail. Like, if a county touches California or Sacramento County, I've probably been in their jail too. So YOLO, you know, all the mm -hmm. surrounding counties. And I think I think every county's given me a drug program at some point or another. But for some reason, when I got it in El Dorado County, just something about the way they ran their program there and um, just the way it w all went down was just crazy for me because I actually... Um, you know, took responsibility for my actions. You know, it was like it wasn't somebody else's fault because I can tell you that up until, up until River City Recovery, I had to go to, it's kind of a long story, but I had to go to uh, the drug program in Sacramento County because I was on high-risk parole in Sacramento and they wouldn't let me do parole in El Dorado County. So I was going up there and doing my drug court, but I was in a program here. So I went to River City and, and um, just... I went there to avoid a seven-year prison sentence. <clears throat> I didn't go there to get sober. I just figured, you know, I could give them a couple of years clean and I could do my thing, you know. And uh, I don't even know what to call it, like a spiritual awakening or something occurred for me there. And I started actually seeing things the way they were. And I had a really cool drug counselor. And by the time I left there, I was on fire. You know, I was on fire for the program and recovery. And I was almost embarrassed like when I would, when I realized like if, so here's a great example. I got arrested in a parking lot of a Bel Air shopping center at two o'clock in the morning with a pocket full of drugs. And I was blaming my girlfriend. Like, how is it her fault? You know what I mean? Like, what am I do? What am I doing there in, in mm -hmm. the parking lot? Because I told her to leave. I told her to leave a half an hour before that, you know? Yeah. So I would blame everything and everybody else for everything that went wrong when really it was all me, you know? And so I was lucky enough to, I was lucky enough to see that, and a lot of addicts aren't. I believe that um, I believe addiction is it, it's a physical addiction, right? But it's centered in your brain, hmm. and it makes you it makes you see things completely differently than they really are. And it makes you feel like it gives you a false sense of well being, especially when you're under the influence. Hmm. It makes you feel like you're on top of the world, and makes you feel like you're doing everything right, and everybody else is doing everything wrong. Interesting. Everyone's yeah. always <clears throat> wrong. You're always right, and if they're telling you you're doing something wrong, they're wrong, not you. And that's just how you feel when you're high. That's how you feel. That's crazy. The I mean, ultimate, that, ultimate gaslight. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And narcissistic behavior as well. Mm, that's <laughs> it's, how. It, it's the, yeah. That's the. You have those traits like you gaslight and it, you have narcissistic behavior and it's always, it's not me, it's you, but really it's us. You just don't see it that and way. And we just don't see it that way okay. because we're so, you know. It just goes to show, Brandon, that, you know, we, and I see it every day at work. You know, people on the, the street, we call them tweakers, you know, all the tweakers, you know. Oh, I call them that too sometimes, and I feel bad, it's but a it's bad... Like, I was one of those, you know. Like, yeah. I was one of them. And, and, you know, you look at them and go, God, that's just, that's sad for them. They're never going to get better. But that's not always true. Right. It uh, ultimately is up to the individual to make that conscious choice, you know. And it, sometimes it does take being sent to prison or programs like you both have been through. Um, but I, I, I strongly believe that it's that it's that self-awareness and maybe spiritual awakening that you were talking about, Bob, that you had that that triggered that change. And once you see that change and you get that clarity, it's it's hard. It's it's tough work, 
but oh, it's worth it. Definitely hard. I mean, to say, you know, in any any recovering addict or addict, I mean, they will all tell you, like, this is not a cakewalk. Like, it's not. Because when you first get clean, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff. First, you're dealing with the physical stuff that you did to yourself. You get sick, you know, right, real bad when you, you're detoxing? I mean, yeah, you get the withdrawals and stuff like that. But you got to deal with the physical stuff. You have to deal with the mental stuff. You have to deal with the emotional stuff. And then you got to deal with making your amends to all those people that you hurt, you know, and then if you got kids involved. So it, this is not a cakewalk. This is not something that's easy, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put just as much energy into your recovery as you did to get loaded, you'd be great. And, and, you, and, and Bob, same for you, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I know that, I mean, I, I didn't have kids involved in my in, when I was using and stuff like that, but <clears throat> I, it's a shame, but most don't recover, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's the sad part about it, and that's why when everybody's going for funding for all these programs, I mean, you think about it, people that aren't addicted don't always see it in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good light, you know, and so they're not wanting to put their money into that. I mean, if you're looking at like 3 or 4% of people maybe recover you know then it's not a it's not a you know what it's i mean it's a small number it's a mm -hmm. small number it really is and because it, it's a it's a horrible affliction it really is and i believe that it is a disease and so do doctors believe that it's a disease and it's centered in your brain and, and your perception is your reality right so if you perceive something to be a certain way then that's how it is and there's you know it's hard to convince people sometimes when they really believe that something's a certain way <clears throat> and unless you can unless you can um Unless you can, I mean, I don't even know what it's called. Like, I call it a spiritual awakening because that's the only thing I can think of. You know, that's the only yeah. thing I can think of what it is. It's just, it was literally just like a a realization that it just kind of hit me. You know what I mean? Over a course of being at, at River City Recovery. And I remember my counselor, he calls me up there one, one night and he says, I want you to do a, a homework assignment. When you go back to your dorm, I want you to think about one time in your life where you were abstinence from drugs and alcohol for any length of time and tell me how that was. And I remember the time when when my parole officer met me at Folsom Prison. He met me there. I thought I was going to get arrested again. I'm like, what the heck is he doing here, right? But he's like, hey, I came here to tell you that if you give me um, if you give me 14 months right now clean, then I'm going to let you off parole. I'm like, whew, 14 months. I can do that. So I get out. I, I start working. I'm clean for like four months. I get a job. I got a car. I got a little spot. You know, everything's going great. And then... It was hot one day, and I helped a guy do a fence job, and I stopped at a liquor store, and I got a can of beer. I just went in to get a water, and I ended up getting a beer. And it was like two months later, I was back in prison. Like, what the hell happened, you know? So even even alcohol would lead you back into right. the substance. Right. That's why I stay away from I mean, people talk can talk about drug of choice or whatever, but I believe this. Let's say if I have a beer today, eventually I'm going to get what I want. You know, it's going to start the whole, for me, for me, for my personal self, I can tell you it starts a whole chain reaction for me. I don't, I don't smoke cigarettes. Not that that would trigger me, but I'm really grateful that I was able to quit that too. But I wouldn't have a beer or my life today is, my life today is amazing. I mean, I have Without a, any of it. Without any of it. I don't need it. You know, I, I go to these office parties with my work and I get a club soda and I put a lime in it and they go, I cheers with everybody and what are you drinking? club soda you know it's a mocktail yeah, yeah. yeah a mocktail, <laughs> mocktail. Yeah, a mocktail. and people support that <laughs> they do you I, at first i was kind of embarrassed about it you know and i didn't want to really tell people that i was sober and figured out that really people respect it they do yeah, they do look what we're, where we're at right now yeah, people respect because it because of the respect level yep. for what you've done and because so many people are hooked on something or other yeah you know and 
whether it's somebody's trying to quit smoking today that's listening or they're drinking too much and they're listening or they're smoking meth or the new drug fentanyl mm. you know mm. uh which is a mess in and of itself we know we had a whole hour on that and so um you know if they're doing something they can get clean look at these two they did it uh, i it's the stories that you you guys share and, and bob over the years we've shared some crazy stuff that you've been involved in over the years crazy crazy stuff like my mouth drops to the floor like you what happened and to just know that this is where you are you know and I'll, and I'll brag a little bit about you too because I want if you're listening and you're addicted to something or you're a substance abuser alcoholic and and you're like you know I'll never be able to come back I'll never be able to get where my goals were before using it's not true um, and I'll brag for you Bob owns his house he owns it outright he does not owe anything on his home he's been able to pay cash for it nice um, beautiful beautiful home that he works hard for he has a, a beautiful lady in his life who I just think is remarkable and two daughters teenage daughters and a son and he's now a grandfather mm. and um, the other thing about Bob that I'll brag about is um, his two daughters are daughters that he chose Aww. they they're not his blood daughters but he took them in and has raised them from day one and probably without Bob I don't I don't know where they would be um, he's their dad and so I mean huge and you know and now you have a grandson a, a beautiful biological grandson who it looks just like this boy looks is a spitting image of you so Lucky. Um, do, do you <laughs> feel that that's even more inspiration to continue your your road on sobriety absolutely I, I think that the example I believe that your kids will eventually follow your example and, and stop following your advice so my parents my parents drank and they smoked cigarettes and all that and eventually I did too right and I, I'm not saying it's 100% but I'm saying if your parents smoke cigarettes you're high, much more likely to smoke if your parents drink alcohol you're much more likely to drink alcohol and I tell I tell my daughters that I don't want them to cheat themselves out of anything in life right so but wait till you're an adult you know and if you want to try marijuana or you want to try that I'm not I, I would never say don't 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 no 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 you know what I mean let them make their own decisions, but wait until you're old enough to make those decisions. You know, wait until you're an adult, and then you can, you know, you can formulate your own decisions and make, you know, make better make better choices. And so, for them, you know, I'm an example to them. You yes, know, they've you are. never seen me take a hit off a cigarette. They've never seen me drink. They've never seen me do anything. All they see me do, I have a job now. I've had a job, believe it or not, for almost nine years now. So, what they see me do is is go to work every day. I've called in sick one day since. In my career where I work and I go to work every day I put you know help provide things for them and that's the man I am today that's the example that I get to set you. for them I, I'm just blown away by that you know and me too actually I mean <laughs> I, I, I feel like for some addicts and I, I've had my own issues I've been in I've been in jail twice um, well three times I have two DUIs under my belt ten years ago was my last one and so you know, I did the drunk tank for each one after I got caught, but then I spent four days in CCCR um, for you know the mandatory two two a two for uh, deal that you get after you get two DUIs, and um, you know, I, so I had my own issues with alcohol and I had to go through the program and everything and I had to face my demons and I feel like sometimes it's hard when you get to that point where you're finally ready to stop whatever it is that's 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 uh, you know creating those addictive uh, traits you look back and you, how do you get rid of that guilt or you know if you, you you're riddled with guilt in my opinion I was riddled with guilt with all of the mistakes that I had made 
Um, and I feel like sometimes that might make it harder to get to that next level of forgiving yourself. Is that part of the part of the programs that you you both have might have mm-hmm. been a part of to I, I to get through? You know, I had a lot of resentments towards a lot of people. Um, but my biggest one was within myself. And I had a lot of guilt within myself because I have three children. And my addiction took me away, or I took me away because of my addiction from my older two for about the whole five years that I was out there. Um, and in turn, has made my kids angry and has made them have resentments and, you know, all the things. My youngest one, luckily enough, she was little enough that she doesn't, like, she was like two or three. She doesn't remember any of that. She's 13 now. So she's never seen mom loaded. She's never seen mom high or do anything erratic. She's never seen that. But the other two, along when I went to the program I went to, by the way, I went to Grace House. It's a uh, faith-based recovery home in Carmichael. Um, when I went to uh, Grace House and I started doing the work with my sponsor and doing all the things, um, it was, and I was trying to rebuild the relationship with my kids. Like I'd started to talk to them, you know, a little bit here and there. Um, it was brought to my attention from their dad that they actually saw me loaded. And mm. I did not know that because the area that I was in was in North Highlands was predominantly where I was at and they happened to be staying in that same area and I did not know that because wow. I had no contact with them because I knew I was you know I was done for like I didn't want to do that to my kids I didn't want to subject it to them nothing I didn't know that events with you know going on with their dad and things he was going through eventually led them to the same area that I was in and they would see me like walking down the street I was like at a gas station one day and they were like in the car next to me and I didn't even realize it was my own child I walked by my son, literally walked by my son like this and didn't realize it was my son during my addiction. So I have a lot of guilt and I have a lot of resentments towards myself. Not so much now. Um, there are still things that, I, that I'm working on. I'm working on forgiving certain people, um, but I'm working also on my kids forgiving me. And mm-hmm. I just try every day to be, you know, be better than I was, you know? And I know that they're, they're, this, where we're at right now, I know they're going to, you know, they're angry and they're hurt and, and that's to be expected and I don't blame them for that. But at the same time, I'm looking at myself and it's all over again with the guilt and the resentment towards myself because they're still dealing with it. Yes. You know, and it's not something you can just snap your fingers and make go away and okay, mom's better. Like everything's, you know, cupcakes and rainbows because it's not, you know. I would like imagine I, it's getting better with time. It is. I see. It's. Taken, and... it's taken some work um there we've had some recent bumps in the road just not so much due to my past but they're young adults now yeah. they're 19 and 18 they're and, making you know, their own choices now yeah no they think well you know well you're 18 just... and you think you're grown and you think you know it all so it's just kind of like <laughs> normal like young adult yeah. stuff that we're dealing with um but like i said it's always a work in progress it's never you're never done like you're just never done. Well, I'm glad you say that because that's not just for someone who's addicted to something. It's for otherwise. anybody. Anybody. It's anybody. Me too. I've it's, never been hooked life. on anything. Yeah, yeah, that's just life. And There's, you know, and, and every day we have to get through something or over something. And it's true yeah. that they say, I just want to go back real quick, that you never really know when someone is addicted, has been addicted, or has gone through something. Because I never would have guessed that about him. Like right. ever, ever. Like you never know because you, you, you don't know. 
-hmm. you know that's why it's important not to judge people exactly that's why you don't judge anybody because you don't know the story behind them you know you don't know because i never would have ever imagined that you would have just shared that like at all like yeah it's just you just don't know so you just have to kind of be kind to people like you don't know what they're dealt with and what they've done and you don't you don't know you know and one thing that you say to somebody could trigger them it could trigger or uh, it turns out help them in the right direction that too you know (laughs) and so uh you know bob i want to say if if you if somebody's listening right now that's addicted to something or you know they're wanting help or there could be somebody listening and sitting there crying because they just see themselves in you guys one piece of advice for them what what do you say to them well if it's drugs and alcohol that are the problem i would say find a find a meeting because the guilt and shame and all of that stuff that you were talking about like i believe anybody can benefit from working the 12 steps i mean there, it's a real thing like it's just not called a 12-step program you actually work the 12 steps of whatever program that you're in and through that it cleared a lot of my guilt and shame i mean i hurt people over the course of my addiction my mother especially like i got to make a killer amends to her you know what i mean i got to be a man before she before she left this earth so that was that was great but i think the 12 steps find a meeting of your choice you know whether it's na or a or whatever your problem is wherever you're comfortable at and it's the same program in they can say what they want but it really is the same program it's, it's, it's how does somebody it's, find a meeting they just google you can google it yeah google just, it right up find yourself a meeting and you'll be welcomed anybody can go in anybody can go in and the the beauty of it is that it is anonymous right so what happens in that meeting stays in the meeting what Correct. people share and talk about stays there so whether you for the know, most part it is and and, and i only say that because people get resentments they go yeah. oh he said this or that or whatever no one's perfect but for the most part it's it's, it's a safe you know, space it's a safe space to be if you if you're struggling with it you know i would say that you know it's weird that i found out i asked somebody they say you know i don't see anybody getting their court card signed anymore the courts aren't mando- man they're not making it mandatory for you to go to meetings anymore and i think that's a shame so mm-hmm. a court card we'll, we'll we'll kind of explain to you guys what a court card is it's back in the day if you went to, to jail for drug related stuff and you had to go to an na or aa meeting as mandated by your sentencing or whatever the parole. judge yeah the judge says you have to attend eight meetings or whatever you had to do when you go there they had to sign it to prove that you were there and they don't do that anymore and and i'll say one of the reasons um that they don't and it's it's a real shame in california it really is it really really truly is and we're not going to get political i don't do that with people um and whatever you think or believe is totally fine with me i respect you i don't care um but it's drugs like and most people don't know this methamphetamine heroin crack all these different narcotic drugs are considered misdemeanors in the state of california now they're no longer considered felonies so if you are caught by an officer with methamphetamine you do not go to jail necessarily you get a citation to go to a court date that may be three months away so if you get the citation at all because if law enforcement sat around all day and wrote tickets to people who were using drugs or who had drugs we wouldn't get anything else done so because everybody has them now so i say that to say we have two recovering addicts here who when i explain that situation to you guys they shake their heads in disbelief because they probably hated the fact that every time they were contacted with meth in their pocket they went to jail but ultimately it's what saved their lives ultimately it pushed them into whatever recovery program they had to go into to save their lives and so you know it is what it is but most people you know just didn't realize that that's what we're facing in california many other states now 
and not to say we need to take folks who are using and throw away the key. I don't mean that at all because there are underlying issues with substance abuse um, and even just drinking alcohol, which is completely legal to do. Um, why do people drink every single day? Because they're numbing something else that's underneath there, um, you know, or they're just trying to feel better for the day or the moment. Um, those people who drink on Friday and Saturday when they go out to dinner and stuff, great, fantastic for you. But those of us who come home because we've seen too much in the day or um, because we were molested as children or whatever the case may be, we're numbing something. And so drugs are the same way. It's just they're killing people every day. And people like you had a chance to recover and get into a program sometimes forced, right? It was forced. Because they were felonies. So you were forced into yeah. the Eldorado program. Let me just tell you that I got sentenced, my longest prison sentence, 44 months. I got sentenced to 44 months for what they called a usable amount, which was basically some crumbs in the bottom of a bag. That's what I got sentenced to 44 months to for. And I'm not saying maybe that was a little bit stiff, right? But I believe that it should be a crime. I believe that people should be forced into programs because I know a, I know a lot of people that because they had to get their court card signed are still here today. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that are taking care of their families because they had to get their, their, their card signed. So it doesn't really matter what pushes you into a program, whether it's a judge or whoever. If you get there, you get there. And mm-hmm. hopefully some, you know, maybe something's going to happen while you're there. You're going to hear something you can relate to. You're going to, you're going to, because most people aren't addicted, right? So like there's only a small percent of the population, I believe that like, so most people you can go home from work if you have a glass of wine, whatever, that's cool, right? Yeah. My wife, if she has a glass of wine, as soon as she starts getting a buzz, she stops. <laughs> she- like, I'm like, really? <laughs> you know what I mean, I'm the guy who's going around finishing everybody else's drink. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't yeah, leave yeah. that here. You're wasting it, right? Oh, yeah. good for you. You've got self-control. Yeah, yeah right. right. <laughs> yeah. So I just think that, I think that it's a shame that the courts are not, not pushing, people. not pushing into the program more, um, and like you said, I'm not going to get political and get into right. the reasons. But I know that, I know I seen a guy sitting on the corner of Watt Avenue, on the corner of my street, of course, that I, you know, smoking a meth pipe, like just right out in the open. I've I'm seen just that like, a lot too. That just blows my mind that they don't do anything about it. It's not, a, it's not really a crime. Like mm-hmm. they don't, they don't even. Mm-mm. Under the influence used to be mandatory 90 days, mm-hmm. no matter what. And it's it's unfortunate when when. When, when people say they don't do anything, you're referring to the cops. I'm referring to or the system. Anybody, the, system. the system, anybody, like I nobody's doing anything. Right. Like, you know, and I know they have like all these, these, like you said, there's like all this, there's not enough funding, but then, you know, they got, the, we have this homeless crisis going on. Most of those individuals who are homeless or as they, we're calling them unhoused, mm-hmm. most of them either have mental health issues or they have substance abuse or, or drug both. issues or yeah. both yeah and again not to get political but that's that's just what we're facing yes. you know and then like he said he's seen he's seen what he's seen on what i see it all the time too like i just blows my mind because i remember when you know back in the day when that, that was, was something that they're gonna stop you and take you to jail for mm-hmm. you know and i get like they can't do that to everybody but i honestly feel like i wish there was more that could be done or was being done for um People who are addicted. Um, my sister is still an addict, um, and it's 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 tough. I feel like if she was forced into something court mandated, it might work. Mm-hmm. But because it's not, here I'll, we are. I'll have to say the thing that turned you around happened while you were incarcerated. Mm-hmm. The thing that turned you around happened when you were forced into a program. So, you know, it just it just goes to show. 
that it does take intervention. Um, most of the people, I'm going to make an assumption here, most of the people addicted to drugs don't want to be addicted to drugs. Okay, True. I will say that. Um, there are maybe a small few who are loving it, they're enjoying it, maybe they're at the beginning of their addiction. They, like you said, they feel amazing, it's everybody else's fault. But I would say any prolonged use of a narcotic substance, somebody's going to decide that they don't want to do it anymore, but they don't know how to stop. And that was my problem. Just don't know how to get I out didn't of it. know what to do. I didn't know where to go, how to, because for a long time I wanted to get clean. Like, you know, I want, I did, I genuinely did. I didn't know what to do. And Bob, you too, I would imagine. There were times when you wanted to get clean. I don't know. Like, I didn't blame it. I didn't blame anything on the drugs, you know, like, <clears throat> it's kind of weird that somebody that's was kind of close to me one time told me not long ago and I told her I said I said you know you you started getting high again and your life's crumbling apart you know what you know do you see the the you know are you connecting the dots and she said my occasional drug use is the only thing that keeps me sane and occasional by meaning every chance she got right and um it's my daughter's mom right mm. and I was just like blown away by but blown away by it but not because i felt that way too i guess at the end i wanted to stop and didn't know how but i didn't really pinpoint that as a as a, my problem you know i really didn't like it was everybody else's fault and and i didn't really think that the drugs were too much of a problem you know even though i would go to prison i'd be like well i shouldn't have been stealing that stuff you know what i mean i mm-hmm. wouldn't go to prison like i took responsibility for my actions but it it's, it's kind of hard to believe but i didn't really blame it on drugs you know I love doing them, and and uh, I guess probably at the end I wanted to stop and didn't really know how, and you know, but I wasn't wasn't you know it didn't go on a long time like that for me. So you know I have to say I want to ask you guys. This has been a deep conversation. You guys have been completely vulnerable. I mean, you too. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, I didn't know. Um, something your biggest. What are you most proud of? now today in sobriety (laughs) um the one of the well there's a few but the thing i'm most proud of today would honestly be myself because i if you would have told me five and a half years ago hey in five and a half years this is what you're going to be doing you know you're going to be married and you're going to have a house and your kids and you're going to have you know you're going to be working and you're going to be able to actually afford life and be comfortable and all these things and drive a nice car and do stuff like what we're doing right here. I would have laughed at you because there was no way that that was going to happen for me. So I'm probably most proud of myself today. That's great. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. You know, and all those, like you said, I was going to brag about you too and you, you took it. So your husband, your kids back in your life. My yeah. husband's actually been clean uh, 16 years too. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he got clean in 2006. Um, he, same thing, you know, he's mm-hmm. running around and doing, you know, what we did. Um, been in prison a couple times and his last time he got out of prison, he was like, that's it, I'm done. And he'd been done. He did, you know, the programs and he did NA and he did all that stuff too and the meetings and whatever, whatnot. Saved he, him too. Same thing. He, you know, he wasn't. Um, I don't think he was forced into a program though. But like, he, but the was, meetings helped. But he, we, he went yeah. to, um, he went to a program. He went to, you know, a residential program. He did the meetings and he did the twelve steps and he. So he's got. I think this. He just came up on sixteen years this this year. That's fabulous. Yeah, he got him. a great job and. That's cool. Yeah. So. Look at that. And you, Bob. Um, I mean, 
I'm proud of the father that I am today. You know, I really am. That That's like my main thing that I do. I'm a dad. You know, that's that's number one. Number one, I'm a dad and I'm a grandpa now. My grandson's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool little human being. <laughs> How he's, old is he? He's one. He's one. He's, he's grandpa's boy. Yeah, he is. But... You know, and, and you know, I have a I have a seven year old nephew that lives with me too. My um, my niece, she's a heroin addict. Her, I, I have her son that lives with me too. So there's there's all of us. I, I'm just proud to, of being able to provide for them. You know, and just just being a dad, just being the dad that I am. So it's that's quite amazing. It's you mostly took it. All these kids in, you know, and um, how's Jason doing? They call me the kid collector at work. <laughs> <laughs> that's not creepy. Yeah, it yeah. Is. I'm like, my daughter asked me one day. She's like. Dad, how many are we going to take in? And I was like, just the ones that need us. Don't worry. I mean, if they're related to me, obviously, I'm not just collecting any kids. They have to. I have, <laughs> I a, I, I have a connection with Mason. Like, so <laughs> the backstory with Mason is, is that when my niece was pregnant with Mason, she was two months pregnant. I found out she was pregnant. I brought her here from Oregon. She was high. I basically put her on lockdown at my house, and she stayed clean through her whole pregnancy, and Mason was born. And we were attached to Mason, you know, and so... When she went back out again, it was kind of a natural thing for us to take him, right? But you've um, had him the whole time. Not the whole time. She had him for a while, yeah. you know. But we had him for a long time. But I'm, I mean, I'm proud of the man I am today. You know, I'm proud of proud of all that stuff. I mean, there's so, I have, not to brag, but I have a lot of cool accomplishments. In, you do, Bob. In my, in my time in sobriety, you know, going from basically nothing. You, you had know, how much money in your pocket when you first got released? And you were in that when, halfway house. When I when I went there, I went there. My mom sent me forty dollars. There you go. I started a business with forty dollars, and like I said, not not to get too much into it, but when I bought my house, I had six figure bank account, and that was five years in sobriety. So I had six figures in the bank, and all I bought legal. the house. All, all legal, legal, all legitimate. Money. Yeah, all legal, all legitimate. I was paying more in taxes than some of my friends were making. So. <laughs> That, that it's in it's actually incredible when i first and, and you know we're, we're wrapping it up here pretty soon but you know i will say um it, and if i can yeah w- you know with your 40 bucks um you know bob took his hustling mentality he's a hustler <laughs> underneath it all okay dealing drugs out there took that and instead started dealing um gold and silver and turned 40 dollars into a six-figure business within a few years well, and so seven figure sales Seven-figure sales, incredible, Damn. incredible. Six-figure income. To deal with gold and silver, you know, and we laugh because when he told his parole agent, I need I need to be able to carry around a scale, yeah. you know, he's like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> or the fact that I couldn't have a bank account. So the little, the little transitional house I'm living in at the time gets raided. They're looking for somebody else. I'm the only one there on parole. They got me handcuffed in there, and they find $10,000 in cash in my room. I wasn't I wasn't even a year sober yet. They find this money in my room and they're like, "Oh, they they got me, right?" They think, right? So they call my parole agent and they get a hold of him at two o'clock in the morning. They actually actually picks up the phone and he says to leave me. He says, "Just leave him there. I'll talk, I'll see him tomorrow." He comes and picks me up the next day. He's like, he's like, "What are you doing, man?" I was like, "I can't have a bank account." He's like, "Get in." Takes me straight to Washington Mutual. He's like, "Takes me in the bank, opens a bank account for me." I'm like. Aww. Perfect. Amazing. He's like that restriction awesome. is gone from now. You know what I mean? So now you can have yeah. a bank account. Yeah. Then, yeah, I wasn't even a year sober, but he's like, "This is ridiculous." I'm like, "What do you want me to do?" Because he knew you were dealing legitimate, legal, right. he knew what gold I was and doing. silver. Yeah. He know? allowed me to have a scale as long as it didn't weigh tenths of grams, mm-hmm. so I couldn't weigh like an eight ball on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're ridiculous. 
yeah, but yeah. gold and silver you could. And I remember you teaching me stuff about yeah. this is silver, yeah. this is what you look for, this is how you know it's real, how it's fake, and because yeah. you got took for that forty bucks. Yeah, forty could, bucks was yeah. Gone. Everybody says, how do you know it's real? I was like, buy some fake stuff, you'll figure it out real quick. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, buy some stuff that's not real, and you figure out real quick what's real and not. Yeah, and I remember um, Bob. You know, I'm going out of town. Can you watch my apartment? And if anything happens to me, there's 10 grand tape to the back of this drawer. There's 10 grand tape to the back of this drawer. And I'm like, dude, you know, I got to watch your um, apartment with a pair of binoculars from across the way just to make sure nobody goes in there, you know. Um, so at any rate, you guys, I'm proud of you. I am so proud of you. I, I hope if somebody's watching that they're inspired. Um, like I said in the beginning, whatever your struggle is, it doesn't matter what your struggle is. If if you're working too much or if you're not working at all and you need a job or you just can't get up off the couch or you want to lose 10 pounds and you can't or you got to lose 300 pounds, whatever, you know, um, it just takes that first step and maybe somebody to say to you what we're saying to you that it can be done. It's possible. Um, you know, and I tell people all the time, get out of your own way. The only thing stopping you from doing the things that you want is yourself. Um, when I started this endeavor two years ago, I'm, I'm, you know, I had a really, this week, two years ago, was horrible. And I'm not even going to go into my own personal stuff. It was probably one of the worst weeks of my life. This week, tomorrow, two years ago, started um, a series of a downward spiral for me. And I didn't think I was going to get out of it. And three weeks of pretty much on the couch and pushing everybody away from me and um, depression and I didn't think I was going to survive I got up and I said okay that really pissed me off you know um, now what and mm -hmm. so I started everything that I I knew that I was being told I couldn't do you know I got I got shut down pretty drastically and so um, you know, I, I teased with Angela recently. Last time I got pissed off, I started my master's degree and I created a business. <laughs> and look at where we are today. Yeah. Um, my This business is because of people like Brandon, Kyle, and, and the Rob Anybody and Don show. And um, just people supporting one another and believing in each other um, to know that we can do the next thing that we want to do. And going out with the confidence that you that you can exude, even if you don't know at the moment. Uh, I'm not always confident when I call businesses and say, hey, can I come in and speak? Or I send emails to, um, I have a goal of sending like 10 emails a week to people in the business. You know, I send emails to The Rock. I send emails to um, producers down in L.A. I send emails everywhere. Um, I can send a thousand emails and maybe get one response and that's all I need. Mm -hmm. So I, I, each week I, I set myself a goal on how many emails I'm going to send out this week. Um, you know, they've all heard from me at this point. And someday when they finally respond, they're going to look back and go, I have 50 emails from this person. I should have responded a long time ago. Or if they keep ignoring me and then I get, you know, we get our deal somewhere else at another studio, well, you guys should have responded a long time ago. <laughs> so I'm just saying that to say, if you have a goal, if it's just to get clean and sober today, one day, put one day under your belt of recovery Make that happen today. This is the first minute. If you're holding a drink or you're holding a meth pipe or you're having a cigarette in your hand, put it down and let this be your first moment of sobriety. Let this be your first step um, because you two are living proof. Brandon, you too. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm so impressed by you. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Of how amazing you are. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I do agree. So um, maybe we just need to do a me and you episode. Yeah. 
of like, that. you know. Well, the, the thing I love about doing these podcasts with you, Lacey, is that every single time when we're done and we hear amazing stories like what Bob and Sheree are sharing today, is I feel so much more inspired to just try and do better. And I think that that, right, that, you know, the self-awareness and the reflection that we, we provide allows our minds to be open to the possibilities yeah. of getting out of our own way, making that change, getting clean, whatever it needs to be. But I mean, this, 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 what you're doing here is, is beautiful. Thank and I'm you. so proud to be a part of it. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored that we're doing this together. And, um, you know, Dr. Phil, we're coming for you. <laughs> we're coming for you. Me, Kyle and Brandon, we will be there. Trust me. You guys better watch out. We are just getting started. So, um, if you guys have any questions for Bob and Cherie, I'm, sh- I'm sure they would be happy to answer them for you. Even after the episode, send an email. I do have one question uh, from Elena. She says, can we talk about intensive outpatient programs as well as the 12 steps? For some of the IOPs work better. AA is not the only option. Personally, IOP worked better for me learning the addiction process and what my brain goes through. But I guess that's just how I learn and what intrigued me. Um, are you guys familiar with the intensive outpatient programs? Um, I've heard of them. I mean, and, and again, you know, addiction is not the same for everybody and recovery is also not the same for everybody so you know the way that he does his recovery isn't the way that i you know i did mine or the way that i did mine wouldn't work for him and the way that you know we're all different we're all different so i mean iops i have heard of them um and if they work better for you then by all means whatever works for you that's going to get you to where you need and want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I've never personally went through an IOP, but I have heard of them and they, I know a lot of people that have done them and they do work, you know, it just, again, it just depends on you and what right. you need. You I, know? Just, I just want to say that I've, I, I don't know what an IOP is. Maybe I'm a little out of touch with the new, with the new age recovery and stuff like that. But I've always said this, I don't know if it's the only way, if the program is the only way, but it is a way mm-hmm. and I'm proof of it. And so, mm-hmm. Maybe the IOPs work, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. But I know that the 12 steps and the program is what worked for me. And I have a lot of friends that are that it worked for them. And if IOPs work for you, whatever whatever that consists of, I'm not sure. But I know that the only two the only ways I've seen people be successful personally have seen is religion or the program. Okay. And, and that's so. that's that's what I've seen work. But IOPs might be something new that works, I don't know. I'm curious. So Elena was her name. Mm-hmm. The ILP Elena. If you want to send me an email with that information, um, I mean, too. yeah, I would be it's interested. It's kind of like learn. a. Um, it's kind of like you know doing the meetings and stuff, but it's more on an. In, it, it's it's it, it literally like what it says. It's an in, 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 intensive outpatient program. So it's it's like you're going and you're doing all these classes and all these things and and it's just it's tailored different. Mm-hmm. I'm not too like I said. I'm not too familiar with it, but I know people who've gone through it. And it worked, mm-hmm. but it again, works. like he said, if that works for you, then that works for you. I don't have experience with it. Um, I did do NA. I did do the 12 steps. Um, I actually finished the 12 steps within my, I think, like six months of being sober okay, or being so clean. Yeah. So, yeah, I've done the 12 steps. I've done, you know, the meetings and gone through the whole program and all that. And that's, you know, but I mixed mine with NA and Got it. 
the religion aspect of it. You and know, Elena, so it sounds like both. it worked for her. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, I'm assuming based on her email that that program helped her get clean and sober. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, commend you as well. Well, and what I'm reading is it's it's a 24-hour supervision. Oh, okay. So it's it, you're not necessarily in a, in a recovery center or in a home, but you're in your own environment, but you are being watched, Got monitored it. for 24 hours at a time. Is that, am I, am I wrong? I don't know. That just sounds kind of weird. Like you'd be like your own environment. They're like watching you. Like, do they put cameras on you or something? Like, <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. Like, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. I want to yeah. know. Cause that just like kind of seems like weird. Like, cause I know when you go into like a program, yeah. you know, and you do, or you do inpatient or whatever that looks like, well, you're living there. So of course you're being monitored and watching. You're like, he went to river city. I went to a program. Like you got people yeah. there mm-hmm. all the time, but if you put them in their own element, but you're watching them 24 hours a day, I just wonder how that would work. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be interesting. And I, I can see the logic in it though, because if you don't necessarily want to feel like you're, you're, um, uh, incarcerated, right. you're, you know, you're admitted to a hospital, this might be a good way I mean, to they... be introduced to that, that type of, uh, when they watch you like that's that's i'm totally interested so yeah. elena if right. you want to keep writing in um just if you have a website link or something for one of these programs that um you're familiar with that'd be great because mm-hmm. uh, we can also link that as part of our um podcast right. when we post this later on our channels uh like like they're saying there isn't the way there's a way mm-hmm. so any you know there's uh, probably 10 ways to skin a cat right I hate that saying. <laughs> it's like the worst. I'm sorry, Hillary, <laughs> our animal lover. But y- you get what I mean. There's there's ten ways to do any one thing. So, um, you know, whatever the the program is, if it's working, then mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. If it's helping you get clean, great. So, um, send more in about that, Elena, so that we can maybe post a link for our viewers too, because um, maybe NANA doesn't work. Maybe they're not religious. Maybe this will work. Right. You know, and oh. so that's great too. Um, NANA, yeah. Yeah, but find what works for you. Um, and like I said before, if, if anybody has questions and you just didn't want to write in now, but, um, you know, maybe you have questions directly for these two. Yeah, go for it. One more note before, you know, we're starting to wrap things up. But Elena did get back to us really quickly. Sweet. Uh, she says it's a 10-week program, three nights a week for three hours, and learning the way the brain works, what part of your brain triggers uh, what part of your brains are triggered by it's more scientific i love it yeah okay yeah so it's just another way so it's kind of like a class that you would go to like three days a week for three hours and you're learning the actual like i kind of dig yeah. it yeah you know because yeah. we do need to know why we do things that we do mm-hmm. you know be um, much more um much more palatable you know because i think that a lot of people it's hard to wrap your head around just stopping and you know to figure out and dig deep into what those things are really mm-hmm. helps you get those stepping stones to to recovery Agreed. Yeah. I agree. Um, so tell her thank you, Elena, if you're still listening. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Elena. Yeah, that's awesome that you sent that in, and um, we'll be posting that. So we're going to put some links, um, maybe a, a 1-800 number for Narcotic Anonymous and Alcoholic. I don't know if there's like a, there a blanket toll-free number we'll we'll put on the, the description for this post when we post the videos later. Um, and like I said, if you are apprehensive in writing in today um, and you have questions for them specifically, um, please send them to us and we'll make sure they get them and maybe connect you guys with the folks listening Absolutely. so that, that you can lead them down the right path or whatever they need. Um, and just thank you for being here. The vulnerability is huge. It's not easy to face what we've done in our past. You know, I sit on this end and I don't ever have to talk about my indiscretions someday. I will, but I recognize it's not easy to do that, you know, cause if I were asked to come in and talk about my mountains, I probably wouldn't honestly. Well, if it helps even one person, then it's, you know, like I said, it's all worth it. So Absolutely. And I hope it did. I hope what we did here today helps one person just 
quit one thing one day one day behind them starting today so elena just um emailed me got it thank you yep. i got the link so we'll make sure to post that um anything else brandon kyle no i think that's it no no i'm, I'm Kyle's good just amazing back there just being <laughs> amazing i haven't been to jail okay. hopefully never <laughs> thank you so much bob and sheree really i really appreciate you both sharing your stories because you, you're right just all it takes is one person to share share a story and, and open up their their minds to the possibilities i'm so proud of you both thank yeah, you absolutely two weeks from now what's the date brandon what do we What's our date two weeks from now? Oh, of course, you know when you spot. open your phone yeah. and you try to click something and it takes you to 8,000 emails that you that, click on? That would be September 30th. The 30th. Okay, September 30th, two weeks from now. Please join us again. Uh, connect. I say with me, but it's it's with all of us. Kyle, Brandon, the whole world is, if you're watching, it's connect with all of us on some level. And if you have any ideas for a show or something you would like us to talk about it can be fun uh, we do a lot of the vulnerable deep conversations but um, we're, we're down to have a good time too so um, if if you're building your own business and you've got a cool story or whatever you've got going on if you have an idea for us send us emails let us know like hey this is a good idea talk about this talk about that we will definitely look for somebody in that world and bring them in and we can email directly to you, Lacey at LaceyNelson.com. Yep. Or however Elena's been emailing you. Or RAD at RadRadio.com. Perfect. Both of those work. Send some emails in, some suggestions, and um, we will see you guys in two weeks. Connect. Thank you. Thank you.